0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والحمد لله رب العالمين وسبحان الله الذي أنعم علينا بنعمة الإسلام الله أكبر ربنا ربنا لا تزخ قلوبنا بعد إذ إذ أن هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة يا علي عظيم إنك أنت العلي المتعال ملك السماوات والأرض تؤتي الملك من تشاء وتعز من تشاء بغير حساب ربنا عليك توكلنا وإليك المصير إنك أنت التواب الرحيم ونصلي ونسلم ونبارك على المصطفى الأمين النبي الخاتم محمد عليه افضل الصلاة والتسليم وعلى اله واصحابه ومن اتبعوا باحسان الى يوم الدين The burden of the burden, the trust, the covenant, the obligation, the honor of carrying a divine message is truly monumental. If you are any human being, in any affair that has to do with your existence. And you are entrusted to carry any type of responsibility. Your responsibility, whether it is to your job, to your family, even a responsibility towards yourself, That's a serious matter. The very idea of a responsibility is a very serious matter. None of us exist simply within the boundaries of the time and space that we occupy. Rather, all of us come to this world and immediately impact everything around us in perceptible and predictable ways, but also in imperceptible and unpredictable ways. We just don't reflect upon all the ways that any of us, the minute that we are given the gift of this existence, the reality of this existence, whether you understand it as a gift or not, immediately you occupy space and you consume time. And the reality of responsibility is created. If you are a reflective and moral human being, you immediately start thinking about the ways that your existence impacts upon others and yes, impacts upon you yourself. Yourself as an objective reality engaged by a subjective consciousness. And if you are a moral human being, the idea of the balance al-mi'zan comes to your mind immediately. I cannot occupy space and time. I cannot consume to exist. I cannot deal with others. I cannot eventually die and leave this world without having left an impact and because of that impact I've incurred responsibilities. Now imagine how much more so when the responsibility that you incur comes from the maker of the universe and existence. When you carry that covenant, and at the other end of the covenant is nothing short of God, when you carry this covenant, and at the other end of the covenant is nothing short of God. The elements of logic, the basic processes of analysis tell you that you either honor this covenant or you degrade this covenant, you breach this covenant, you violate this covenant. And because in contract logic, your contractor, your, your contracting party is with God, God's self, then you have a partnership. And this partnership, the contractual partnership, is with nothing short of the Lord of the heavens and the earth. Now, think about all the implications of this. I come to existence i come to the realization, and that is what faith is, that's what Iman is, that I have a covenant and a contractual relationship, and at the other end of that contractual relationship is nothing short of God. If I am true to this partnership, I cannot engage in any conduct that would violate what my partner wants in this relationship. In legal terms, there's no derogation from your responsibility. Moreover, subsidiaries are not allowed. You can't pull someone in to stand for you. You can't somehow elude your responsibilities by saying, well, you know, in this partnership between me and the Lord, this, this covenant that Allah has imposed, I can shirk away My responsibilities because I replace myself with someone else into this contract with the Lord. So you can't say, well, instead of me, my mother will answer for my obligations under the contract, or my father will answer for my obligations under the contract, or even my sheikh, or my ruler, or my leader. All contracts are built on good faith. All contracts are built on good faith. This is like the element of Iman in a contract. If you don't have good faith No amount of writing, no amount of writing will prevent a breach of the contract. This is a critical point, because we often forget this in our faith. If you don't have good faith, no amount of text, of writing, will prevent a breach of the contract. No amount of text will prevent a human being who has a contract with the divine, and in fact any contract with anyone, if they don't have the element of good faith. Now what is good faith here? It is khuluq. it is ethics. It, it, it is the, the basic ground rules for an authentic survival of your covenantal relationship with Allah. So when Allah, for instance, tells us وَتَعَوَنُوا عَلَى الْبِرِّ وَالتَّقْوَى وَتَعَوَنُوا عَلَى الْبِرِّ وَالتَّقْوَى وَلَا Ismi عَلَى الْإِثْمِ وَالْعِدْوَانِ So here, the co- terms of the contract. وتعونوا cooperate with one another. Work together. We're together on what? al birr Now, al-bir is, is a wonderful, wonderfully meaningful word. al birr is the essence of justice but also kindness. There is no bir if you have a right and I don't give you your right or deny you your right then bitter doesn't exist that is why we say birr al walidine birr meaning be, being kind and gracious to your parents why do we call it bitter because you are not just giving them their due but you do so with generosity so if you only give the bare minimum to satisfy rights that's not there bir is a is a remarkable expression if i cheat you and i take away what is owed to you there is no bear if you give me a loan and i abscond and run away and deny that I owe you anything, there is no birr. If I'm driving and I hit your car and I damage it, and then I go and just keep driving and I hide and don't tell you that I hit your car, there is no birr. El birr is one of these quintessential good faith words. Birr Gives you a license, gives you a license for everything that is good and beautiful. So Allah tells us, work together on birr and taqwa and the sincerity of belief. Everything we do in society must be conducive to honesty in good faith honesty in conviction so if I create a society of hypocrisy a society where people through either educational institutions or political institutions or even economic institutions where people learn to lie and to hide and to cheat and to be hypocrites I have not created the society of taqwa. Society of taqwa is not the superficial performance of religious obligations, as many people think. Taqwa is is what is in the heart and affirmed by your actions. So when Allah tells us, عَلَى الْبِرْ وَلَا تعاونوا عَلَى الاسم وَالْعَدْوَانِ And don't work together on perpetuating wrongfulness and aggression. If there is a good faith element in my covenantal relationship, in my contractual relationship, I know my partner in this relationship wants me to work together on bitter and taqwa and not work together on what is wrong and what is aggression if there is good faith then immediately the question becomes well we must live a diligent existence that searches out for what is wrong, what is ifm some sometimes ism is clear. Don't drink alcohol. Don't steal. Don't kill. We know that all this is ism. But a lot of times ism is sinister and subtle. Like when Allah says, "Keep your promises. Don't lie. Don't cheat." Think of human ingenuity and all the myriad and different ways that the human mind can justify lying and cheating and can justify a deceptive path. Even more so is aggression. Al-Adwan. When Allah tells us in Allah wal-Ihsan," Allah commands you to seek out and establish justice and goodness. Now, again, if there is no good faith, words don't matter. If you don't have on the other side of the contract, a person who is willing to take in the terms of the contract, of al-birr and al-taqwa and al-adl and ihsan, then the entire relationship doesn't work. This is why I keep emphasizing again and again an ethical approach because without an ethical approach you don't learn the art of good faith dealing if you don't start islam from approach islam from the foundations as a morally and ethically vigilant religion. No amount of writing will create your good faith. So those people who say, I approach Islam with a blank page, and I will read the text, and the text will tell me what, what to do. This is like saying, I don't know what my, my, my contractual relationship is about, but I'm going to read the contract and just implement the, the, the cold letter of the contract. You fail. Islam, its explosive thrust, not from the time of Muhammad, Ali from the time of Ibrahim, Read the seerah of Ibrahim and all the prophets and even before even you know the seerah of Noah and the seerah of of Saleh the Arab the prophet or Shu'aib who predate Ibrahim it is a consistent ethically vigilant message the message is the liberation of the human being because if Allah is owed Ubudiyyah, no one else is owed Ubudiyyah. This is why the Prophet taught us that human beings are equal black and white, Arab and Persian, like the teeth of a comb. This is why Umar ibn al-Khattab with his innate sense of good faith, said who gives you the right to enslave people? And they were born with they were born free. This innate. This is why the people who flocked to the message of the Prophet Ibrahim and the message of the Prophet Ismail, and the the message of the Prophet Ishaq and the message of the prophet Yusuf and the message of the prophet Isa and the message of the Prophet Muhammad The people, the flock the fairest people to flock to these messages were often the most moral and the most powerless because they saw in these messages a message of liberation. What is consistent is the message of monotheism that directs the human being towards justice as the sustainer of the scales of the universe has always been a revolutionary message that transforms societies read the history of the Israelites after having embraced the message of Moses, the history of the followers of Jesus, if we put the Trinity aside, but the way that that religion became a revolutionary force against an imperial elite class that lasted for centuries, And, of course, the message of Islam. This is why it is very dangerous to approach our faith like lawyers who, lawyers, the very logic of jurisprudence is that you search the text through a technical methodology of exploration and investigation. But that methodology doesn't always include a moral vision. And that's very dangerous. And in my view, that's a bad lawyer as well as a bad Muslim. Now, I underscore this for numerous reasons. I have given many examples in the past of why you absolutely need to raise your ethical sense and awareness before. Even dealing with the text. Because if the text tells you work together for better and for justice and for goodness, that's all the text can do. But if in your heart you have no notion about what justice is and what qihsan is, what goodness could look like or what justice could look like. Tell me, how can the contractual relationship work? How that, can, can that covenant work? If you, inside yourself, you are a defeated human being who no longer believes in justice, then de, de facto, as a matter of reality, that that contractual relationship with the divine has already failed. Let me even take you a bit closer. In early Islam, upon the death of the Prophet ﷺ, there was a huge political controversy. Abu Bakr, radiallahu an, insisted on the zakah to be collected by the state and dispersed by the state. There was a rebellion against them in the forms of the, the wars of Ridda. And then we have what? so after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, there is political tor- turmoil and a great deal of that turmoil persists especially after in, during the Uthman period anh, and after Uthman is assassinated and then the Ali period and then after Ali is assassinated and then the the, the rebellion of the Imam al Hussein the grandson of the Prophet against the Mu'amawids and so on. Political turmoil. Within this political turmoil emerged a group of Muslims known as the Murji'ah. The Murji'ah basically Believed that since there is so much civil discord, so much controversy, the best thing to do is take care of number one, i.e., it's better not to judge, not to search for what is just and unjust, what is Beautiful or what is ugly, what is right or what is wrong. All you can do is go do your salah at home or in the masjid if the masjid is close to your home, and other than that, don't get involved with anything. Aqidat al-Irja'a, the murji'a, basically said the search for justice. حسن. right, wrong <coughs> It's too hard, it's too difficult so we will just go pray in our home and let Allah judge in the end <coughs> when we all get to Allah in the hereafter, Allah will tell us what's right and what's wrong but in the here now, we're oblivious When in my last khutbah, I talked about The trash bin of history. The murji'ah, what you can, you know, there are a few things in the Islamic tradition where you can truly say there's near absolute consensus. Everyone understood the danger of the murji'ah because they emptied the Islamic faith of any, under the guise of avoiding political conflicts, they emptied the Islamic face of any moral content. Under the guise of avoiding politics, they also made religion a very personal affair in which society can be extremely unjust extremely poor, extremely corrupt, that doesn't affect us. We're not involved with any of that. Very much like in our modern age, in Egypt you see people, because of the corrupt CC government, you see videos of women and children and men eating out of the garbage piles. In the streets, eating from the garbage. Al-Burhami, the head of uh, the Salafi group, one of the Salafi groups, one of the major Salafi groups in Egypt, said, ah, we, we can't judge a Sisi, we can't judge corruption, we can't judge, it. and not only Burhami, but even the Azhar, and even Dar al Ifta." The point though, is that for centuries, what did Muslim theologians and jurists do for centuries? Is challenge the ideas of the murji'ah and deconstruct the murji'ah and insist that at a minimum, you must have an understanding of what is just and unjust in your heart, even if you can't do anything about it politically. At a minimum, God demands that you recognize injustice for what it is, and wrongfulness for what it is, and righteousness for what it is, and this way you can have good faith and Islam can stand for something in the world instead of just personal salvation. Which, by the way, belongs to Allah anyway. And Allah is going to decide who's saved and who's not saved. But that's not the issue. The issue is when Allah tells us work together to establish justice on taqwa and birr We can't turn this into, well, I'm gonna work, but I'm gonna work alone. And you know, I, 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 not if justice means, I'm just gonna focus on justice in, inside of me and that's it. Which is meaningless because you impact upon your space and time. No human being exists in isolation. The minute you come into existence, you are a part of the equation of creation. And you have a role to play in the Mizan. So Muslim scholars, over centuries, deconstruct the Murji'ah, so much so, that we really thought or maybe I really thought that the Murji'ah was done with and dead. You, st- you grow up, you study the Ash'aris, you study the Maturidis, you study the Mu'tazila, you even study the theology and, and jurisprudence of the Ibadis who used to be the Khawarij, you study the, the law and theologies of the Ja'faris, of the Zaydis, but... You say, well, the murjah, we just know about them from a few texts here and there, but they're dead. They're gone. Lo and behold, in our modern age, lo and behold, in our modern age, you have the the Salafi madkhalis, you have the people I talked about last khutbah, You have even Azhar and their support of unjust governments. And it's not that they are just supporting unjust governments. They're telling you, who are you to judge? They're telling you, if you say to an unjust ruler, you are unjust, you have committed a sin, And you are a terrorist because you are practicing political Islam. So the Prophet tells us the biggest jihad, al-Jihad al Akbar, the biggest jihad is to stand before an unjust ruler and say, you are unjust. But the murji'ah of today, the Jamis and the Metchanis, and the, the, the 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 weird Salafi slash Sufis like the people I talked about last Khutbah and Dar al-iftah in Egypt and Al-Azhar in Egypt and Dar al-iftah from the United Arab Emirates and 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 the Tawas. don't judge because it's not your place to judge. So for instance, here's a very good example. There was a student in Egypt, his name is Muhammad Garib. This poor kid was seeing security forces in Egypt, people saw the security forces in Egypt, arrest him, take him, load him in his cars. His family goes to the the authorities in Egypt. The authorities in Egypt say, we don't know anything about him. We didn't take him. His family looks for him, looks for him everywhere. They go everywhere. They get leaks from inside that he's being held in one of the worst prisons in Egypt. Okay. This goes on for six months suddenly this just few days ago the Egyptian government announces it has killed nine terrorists in an anti-terrorist operation among them is the student Mohammed Ghalil now he was in government custody this entire time so how is that? Well, I'll tell you how is that. Because the government abducts numerous people, keeps them in prison in secret, and then when they want to claim a make-believe victory over terrorism, whenever there is political unrest, they bring out a bunch of them and execute them. Just shoot them point blank. Among them is this poor kid, Mohammed Garib. Well, the only thing he did is that he went out in a demonstration at the time of Ramah. Now, you come to present facts like these, which are human rights issues. And human rights organizations documented and said that Muhammad Garib was, at first, abducted and then executed by the Egyptian government. You have the Murjiah of today, from Dar al-Iftat say, excuse me, we don't talk, we don't criticize the government. We don't say anything about injustice. You go to Azhar, well, you know, bad things happen. We don't judge. You go to the Madkhalis from the Jamaat Islami in Egypt, well, no, we support the ruler, just or unjust. That's Allah's Sultan. And you can't oppose Allah's Sultan. Now even you go to some Sufis and some converts in the West and they more or less tell you the same thing. So you tell me, if a religion doesn't stand for basic human justice and basic human rights, then what is the point of that religion? How are you going to get your children to follow a religion that stands for nothing? Here, sweetheart, honey, come, come. I want to teach you about your Islam. Okay, Baba. Okay, Mama. What is your Islam? Well, we do Salah. Okay, why? We give thanks to Allah. Okay, that's wonderful. So, how about all the stuff I'm experiencing? Well, just do your salah. How about all the stuff in the world around me? Well, just do your salah. Well, how about unfairness and injustice and oppression and racism and classism and persecution and despotism? Just do your salah. You want to tell me? unless your kid is stupid meaning not very intelligent so your kid is not curious and your kid doesn't have any ethical or moral inquiries your kid will say, what is this? what is this? I I stand for what? this is why the new age murji'ah is so dangerous This is why I keep harping on it. It is the most dangerous thing, more dangerous than Islamophobes. Because it comes from us. We eat away at the very moral integrity of our tradition. No, when Allah tells me work together to establish justice and goodness. My good, the good faith requirement for discharging any contract or covenant tells me I must take it seriously. Allah didn't say, establish justice for yourself. Allah said work together to establish justice. So my good faith commitment makes me say Let's look at the elements that allow us to establish a just society. And that is in no instruction book in the Quran and Sunnah. That is a matter of scientific and rational exploration and inquiry. Because all human beings share in the social sciences that can investigate and establish justice. It's something that all human beings can share. The murji'ah of today, which unfortunately, the murji'ah of today are very handsomely funded and supported. Are the most lethal threat Islam is confronting in the modern way, modern age. Akulu ka'dihaja, astaghfirullah, libwalaka, وَاللَّهُ أَكْبَرَ! اللَّهُ أَكْبَرَ! ونصلي وَنُسَلِّم وَنُبَارِكْ على محمد النَّبِيُّ الْمُصْطَفَى الْأَمِينَ وَخَاتَمُ النَّبِيِّينَ اللهم شفاء فينا يا رب This idea of the trash bin of history In the same tradition, in the same tradition that you will find thanks through the influence of the old murji'ah, not the new murji'ah, thanks to the influence of the old murji'ah, you will find a lot of hadith attributed to the Prophet that can only be described as pro-despotism. and pro apathy and pro disempowerment but you will also find in our tradition moral movements and ethical movements that resisted the immoral tradition so for instance I don't remember who is it that said (laughs) مَنْ دَعَ لِسُلْطَانٍ جَائِرٍ فَقَدْ أَحَبَّ أَنْ يُعْصَى اللَّهِ فِي الْأَرْضِ whoever accepts upon himself or herself to do du'a for an unjust sultan, then it is as if this person has accepted, indeed likes the fact that Allah is dishonored and disrespected on this earth. Think about, I think it is a a, maqoula from Imam al but I'm not entirely sure, but think about the very notion itself. If you accept upon yourself that you do dua, and doing dua is like when someone says, May Allah preserve our king and give him aid and support. And you say amin, then you've done that du'a. And it's as if you indeed so like the fact and support the fact that Allah is dishonored on this earth. So when, for instance, one of the Muslim leaders, Hamza Yusuf, who said, that Trump is just uh, doing God's work on earth and we should just pray for him to, for success. Trump is an unjust ruler because of what he's done in the Muslim ban, because of his policies towards Saudi Arabia and the rest of the Muslim world, because of the bombing of Yemen and the bombing of Libya, because of his support of dictators everywhere including in Egypt and so on and so forth because of his policy towards immigrants and breaking up families and detaining children. He is unjust. So when you pray or you even in deal with someone like Trump, it's as if you, you, you accept Allah's purposes. Because Allah's purposes can never be consistent with injustice. And ugliness, impossible. I'm going to close with a very beautiful passage that has always touched me personally by a well-known Hanbali scholar called Ibn Rajan. I think I noticed it. So Ibn Rajab, no, I, Ibn Rajab is quoted in an earlier jurist called Ibn al-Mubarak. Ibn al-Mubarak as cited by Ibn Rajab says he's talking about scholars and their relationship with power. I'm going to very quickly read it in Arabic and then translate it. وقال عبد المبارك ليس الآمر ناهي من اعتزلهم لهم وسبب هذا ما يخشى من فتنة الدخول عليهم فإن النفس قد تخيل للإنسان إذا كان بعيدا عنهم أنه يأمرهم وينهاهم ويغلز عليهم فإذا شاهدهم قريبا مالت النفس إليهم لأن محبة الشرف كامنة في النفس, في في النفس له ولذلك يداهنهم ويلاطفهم مَالَ إِلَيْهِمْ وَأَحَبَّهُمْ إِنْ الله طفوه وَأَكْرَمُوهُ وَقَبِلَ ذَلِكَ مِنْهُمْ So what he's saying is that the problem with scholars and power is that often scholars start out telling themselves I'm going to work with unjust rulers Because I am going to confront them and reform them. You start out telling yourself, I'm going to do a good job. I am just getting close to them so I can give them sound, powerful advice. I'm going to get them to change their ways. But then you're sucked in. You get close. And when you get close, Ibn al-Mubarak, as quoted by Ibn Rajab, tells us, it's very common. If you get close they start flattering you, praising you, giving you gifts and before you know it you start modifying and taking down not just your criticisms but even in your own heart and mind. You say well maybe they're not bad maybe this is not real injustice, maybe you know this guy Muhammad Gharib was after all involved in something sinister because now you have an invested interest so you start making up excuses so Ibn mubarak tells you if you really want good faith covenant with Allah, stay away don't put yourself in mulaqa as don't you put yourself in places Where you are going to suck in, get sucked in and become part of the edifice and system of injustice. These are the scholars. This is part of the tradition that we should go back to, extract, develop, and be proud of. Parts like that, we bring out and say, hey, this is what Islam stands for. That's where ethical judgment comes in. That's where moral vision comes in. That's where good faith in your contractual and covenantal relationship with Allah comes in. But it is part of the trash bin of history. When you ignore all the beauty in our tradition And you go pick the ugliest part, the theology of the Murji'a, who were buried centuries ago and bring it back to life. And Islam once again is struggling over the question of whether it stands for anything or not. One final point, because there are some comments about this. It speci- especially hurts me when this is done by a convert. Because you converted to Islam. You went and learned Arabic. You went and traveled I don't know where to study. I, As a convert, I want to see the love you have for this face, The, the, the zikrullah Akbar. The, that zikr that remembrance of Allah that brings you closer to justice and equity and beauty. And I want to see the way that your diverse and rich background and ethnicity can enrich this tradition. Instead, you went and did all of that to search for the darkest part of Islamic history and bring it with you and say, here is my Islam. We didn't, uh, that's sad. Just so, uh, breaks your heart. Because if Burhami is a medical doctor who was raised by Muslim parents, but raised on the principle of being a moral coward, and raised his uncle or father, was arrested by the Egyptian security forces and tortured so severely, when he saw the way his father or uncle were tortured, something broke inside of him and, and he became a professional hypocrite. Someone who professionally kisses up to authoritarian governments. So, you know, I, I say, you know, the experience, the torture experience destroyed them. So many in, in, from Muslim countries are like that. But what, is, what, is, what excuse do convert have? What, what excuse? Our tradition, people, is beautiful. But you need good faith in order to truthfully and sincerely discharge any contract. And you need an intellect, and you need rational judgment, and you need deep empathy for all of humanity, and a deep sense of care so that about the mizan, the balance of the universe we exist in, and the principle that Islam stands for a foundational, constitutional norm, and that is justice. Justice. Justice for all. Allahumma a'faha'i wa'ghfir lana. Allahumma a'dina. Allahumma al Islam, Ya Rabb, Ansur al Islam, Muslimin. Amen. Allah, forgive our sins, help us become more passionate and sincere and pious Muslims. Help us call for justice, understand it, comprehend it, call for it, and establish. Help us be just towards others, and just towards ourselves, and just towards our family, and just towards our society and just towards you, Ya Ali Ya Azim Ya al